everybody. Welcome back to the Hayden Alabama Podcast. I'm Philip. And I'm Brad. This is our special Father's Day edition. Our best advice for young fathers. So how we're going to get there is basically two ways. Uh, at first, Brad and I are both going to weigh in on the advice that we would like to have gone back and given ourselves when we first became fathers. And then lastly, we're gonna, we've agreed upon something that we both hold very dear after our time as being dads that we'd like to give to maybe a young dad out there today to avoid some regrets. Because if you're anything like me, I cannot stand regretting things. And so I think if, uh, if you're willing to listen to this, maybe consider it. It could help you out in the future. I know that it would have helped us. So let's give a little credibility first, Brad. So you're a dad of how many years? 14 years. And it flies, doesn't it? Yeah, seems seems like it's three or four. Here we are at fourteen, though. Fourteen, and then I'm a dad of thirteen years. So together, add that up. That's twenty-seven years. Yeah, <laughs> twenty-seven years of our best experience as being dads. And man, we talked about it during Brotherhood Breakfast yesterday. We make a lot of mistakes. I mean, it is a trail of of tears at some points, highs and lows. Oh yeah. But, you know, there's wins and losses along the way. Nobody's perfect, but we're doing the best that we can, and hopefully we can share a little bit of that with you guys today. And then lastly, don't want to forget before we get ahead of ourselves, it may be kind of ironic that we do dad jokes every week, but for Father's Day we're not going to do dad jokes. It's the ultimate dad. <laughs> Chuck Norris. <laughs> Chuck Norris jokes coming out of retirement. So we'll conclude our show today. Uh, we're going to try to keep it kind of light. We both know that this could get a little sentimental from time to time. We're not going to try to uh, make this a tearjerker. But we know that in the end, we will end on a high note with hopefully some laughs with some good Chuck Norris. Shows. Yeah, I may even yell at my kids before this is over with. <laughs> they probably need it. Yeah. I know mine probably do. That's right. Well, let's kick it off. So the first thing that we're going to do, the first question is – what would we like to tell ourselves 14 years ago for you, 13 years ago for me? What's one bit of advice that we would have given ourselves then that we know would have really helped make those 14 years for you and 13 years for me a little better? Why don't you lead off and what's that one thing you'd like to have known back then, the young Brad? Man, there's, there's not just one. There's just so many little things. Uh, I, I would say number one eventually you will get to sleep again those little bellies end up getting full that's a good word and they they sleep throughout the night eventually uh they eventually get potty trained <laughs> you, also, you, a financial and a right. mental and yeah a physical you you get those you get those um little small wins here and there but then they end up turning to break-evens and losses later like you get excited over graduating from formula and then graduating from diapers, but then what you spend at the grocery store just kind of negates that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very, very much worth it though. Um, uh, me and you are, are two different kind of dads. I'm strictly boy dad. You're strictly girl dad. That's true. Uh, I, I, I have, that's right. I have no idea what it's like to to raise a, a daughter, but I know one thing, man. You get to play with some cool stuff growing up, like with your kids. Yeah, like. For example, Mike, I, I never touched a Lego until I was 32. Those things are pretty cool. Very relaxing. <laughs> so, Therapeutic. Yeah, you know, they, they say the adult coloring book. I never got into the whole coloring book thing, but 
Shocker. Something something pretty cool about the uh, you know sitting down building some Legos with your little boys. Those, yeah. That's pretty cool. But yeah, man, uh, I would I would also tell myself be more patient, man. When you when you become a father, uh, it's, it's no longer about you. Like mm-hmm. it's you. There's another life that you're in charge of. You're responsible for yeah. multiple lives. Yeah. So you you have to sacrifice yourself to your wants and give up, give those things over to their needs. So a lot, a lot of sacrifice, but it's good and it's worth it. Uh, I heard, I love what Adrian Rogers was talking about uh, in one of his sermons on uh, fatherhood. He was talking about, he said, a rich man, he made the statement. He said, you know, uh, kids make a, a rich man poor. And he said, no, 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 you got it backwards. He said, uh, kids make a, a poor man rich. He said, I can't take my wealth to heaven, but I can take my kids to heaven with mm-hmm. me. So I'd say that I, that's what I would say is pour into them even more and more uh, at a younger age. Let them see a better godly example of me. Don't let them, you know, they're going to see us get mad. They're going to see us lose our tempers. That's what daddies do. Uh, but also come back and clean it up with love, you know, patch the rough spots and just make sure that, you know, they always know that you love them. And that's still a work in progress. I'm not there yet. No, but absolutely. I'm halfway through raising. So, if you if you tell me that you never lash out, you never lose your temper, I'd say then you also very rarely tell the truth. That's right. Because it happens. You're going to mm-hmm. lose your temper. You're going to say things you didn't mean. You're going to maybe punish a little harder than you wanted to. That happens. But I want to say this. I think this is a design of God. I he creates children to be so forgiving. Mm-hmm. I know mine have forgiven me sometimes when, I mean, I don't know that I would have forgiven me. Oh yeah. And I, and that's, I think, you know, being a, you know, a child, we've all were children at one time, you know, I experienced that too. I mean, I used to get my mad at my mom and dad, but man, it was that heart would just soften and mm-hmm. the love would come back and, and I'm thankful that it is that way because of the, the number of mistakes that I've made over the years. Yeah, we don't hold grudges as bad until we get grown, do we? So <laughs> That's probably true. Yeah. Well, what about you? What are some things you'd go back and tell yourself? Well, I'm a, obviously just like you, I could, I could rattle off 100 things. I don't know how many people would want to listen to all 100. But I think for me, I'm going to speak to a specific group with just one key application that I would go back and tell myself is so many of you don't know me I'm an only child I was an only grandchild for a long time I you know no brothers no sisters and when you're an only child it's hard to understand that if you're not in that situation I know you have two brothers Mm -hmm. so obviously you're not in that situation but when you're an only child it's very easy to be self-centered because I never had to share my toys. I never had to share my food. I never had to share my clothes. <laughs> that sounds familiar. So I know somebody that doesn't want to share <laughs> yeah. their food. Oh, well, you do have a, yeah, you do have uh, one great example there. Yeah. But in all seriousness, when you, when you don't have, when you live a life growing up that you don't have to consider anybody but yourself, it's, you have a great danger, a great risk of being self-centered. Well, when I got married, some of that changed. But it's not the same because mm-hmm. you're still two adults you know, learning how to live life together. But one thing 
I learned was, or I was very fearful of when I realized that we were going to have a child, I was fearful that I would lose my identity that I had built as an only child, a self-centered person. I mean, I just did whatever I wanted to do. My whole life, I lived doing whatever I wanted to do. I never had to ask anybody anything. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm one of those people, I'll go to a restaurant and eat by myself. Bethany thinks that's the weirdest thing in the world that you'll go, that I will go to a set down restaurant by myself, table for one and eat. Yeah. When I actually first moved down here, she would go to the movies by herself. No problem. And I was like, man, how did you do that? Because she's an also an only child. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. So it's just what we do. You get so you see, you know, you have people to play with all the time when you're growing up. If my mom and dad were not at home, that was, you know, it was me and the dog. You know, that's that's basically it. So you just get very comfortable doing that. So I guess I've kind of taken a long way around on this, and I hope I haven't lost anybody yet. But I just want to say this. I was very fearful that I would lose that identity. I would lose that freedom and ability to do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. And I'm going to maybe a little bit of shocker here. If you do it right, you need to give that up. Mm -hmm. You need to cast away that fear that desire for you 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 because i can't say that i did that at first and i regret it and i only can say that i regret it is because i thank god and my wife and just life itself helped me to change my identity my identity went from being a self-centered selfish person to a dad who finally loved something more than himself. Mm -hmm. And when I did that, the real beauty of loving something more than you is, is so much greater than just loving yourself Mm -hmm. and thinking about yourself. Now, am I telling you that I never revert back to my, my, my 20, what was I was 27 when we had my first child. So I had a lot of experience in being self-centered. And I can't say, you know, I'd be lying to you if I told you that I didn't revert back to that. But I'm just telling you, it's not the best way. And and if I would have just come out of the gate more excited about a new identity as a dad, a new identity as loving something more than myself, I think I could have embraced it and enjoyed it more than I did. Mm Because it took some time. Because I think that's my biggest one. I don't know if y'all ever went through this, but we we had a, a struggle of like that not being able to go in and do anything like oh, hey, I, it seemed like people oh, it was horrible it was yeah horrible. it seemed like everybody else was living it up and then i was like <laughs> man we just can't do this we got yeah we got diapers and formula i mean we can't you know then babysitting costs that's yeah. on on top of it we, we got to stay home with the kids if we're going to do anything we take the kids with us mm-hmm. and it got there for a long time and it's still this way today to an extent we were so used to just doing everything with us and the kids that when we're away from the kids, it starts feeling weird. You're like, it's awful. Yeah. They're, they're supposed to be with us. Where, where are they at? What are they doing? That. And so if you're a young dad out there, that, that doesn't happen immediately. I would say mm-hmm. right out of the gate, a lot of times you're willing, you're willing to say, Hey mom and dad, can you, can you keep the kid this week so we can go to, out of town with our friends or whatever that may be early on, but if you will embrace it and that love and just, I don't know what even to call it. It's mm-hmm. more than love. It seems like you'll grow to this place where you you don't want to be away from them because right. it's better. It's a better place, right? That's part of my testimony too. Is you know I was a professing Christian, but I was 
basically living in rebellion. There's something yeah. about God using your position as a father to man, it will get you on the straight and narrow. It, it'll because something else is more important. That, that's right. Um, you know, it's like that old hymn says, you know, prone to wander. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we wander, we, we stray. Absolutely. But buddy, when you become a, a parent, buddy, it, the Lord uses that to get you right. Now I'm not saying that every parent out there is right with the Lord, but God knows our heart and he knows how to get our attention. And just like Romans eight twenty eight, he works all things together for good. So I think that's part of the good is becoming a father. And he uses that for, to make you more reliant on him. I needed it. When you, you, you can read all you want about the love of God, the love of God, the love of God, mm-hmm. but until, and I'm not saying you can't get there with, I'm in no way saying you cannot arrive at this understanding prior to having children or if you don't have to, I'm not saying that. But for me in my experience, I didn't understand the love of God for us until I had a child. Right. And so, uh, you know, there's real benefit there. Yeah, because that, that's a great place to be. Yeah, I think, and being in both places, I mean, I, I, well, I can say be, being a parent isn't for everybody. Uh, there's no. people that can't have kids, uh, and there's people that want to have kids and can't, but you know, they just never meet that person to have that season of life with. But you know, the Bible does speak of fatherhood and parenthood in a, a greatly positive light. With well, how's it word? It says he that has kids is his quiver is full of arrows. Mm-hmm. So it's it is a good thing. It's definitely a good thing, and for somebody out there that may not have kids, can't have kids, or whatever, man, the opportunity mm-hmm. is ripe in our society to mentor, show love to children who may not have parents mm-hmm. anymore, you know, or never had them because of various reasons. That's right. There's opportunities. You don't have to be biological to uh, give all these benefits, this love and benefits to others. All right. You know, well, I, one example I want to give you before we move on is in, because we have a lot of young men who watch the show in that age range, that 20 to 30 range. I loved to deer hunt. I'm talking about probably worshipped it. I loved it. I went all the time. There was not a weekend that I didn't go when hunting season started till it finished. You know, there's just nothing else I'd rather do. And I thought to myself at one time, I said, there is no, there's, you know, there's just really nothing better. This mm-hmm. is this is who I am. This is what I love to do. I can't imagine not doing this. So here's a testimony to you, and this is the truth. I'm pretty sure that I can say, because I don't want to lie, I don't think I've even went deer hunting one time over the last two years. And why is that? Not because I set a goal, hey, no more deer hunting. It's because I would rather, you know, my kids are they're busy, they're doing things all the time. I, was gonna say, I just rather it, be with them. I was going to say, is it because there's no deer in center field? <laughs> right. Yeah, we do. We do live at the ballpark. <laughs> but that that so that's that's my one of my personal testimony. That's tangible. Mm-hmm. Somebody who said they would ne- they couldn't imagine life without it. This has superseded it. Hey, I, I don't know why this just hit me out of nowhere, and I feel like it's worth saying. Um, I think there is a place for you know, your love for that, pass that on to your kids because, you know, things go sour in this culture, in this society that we're in. Uh, the amount of time that you have trained them in, in sports is not as beneficial as showing them those life skills. So I think that's something good to continue doing. And, you know, I, I went through that. You know, I, I never, you know, I grew up 
uh, fishing, but my dad quit hunting when I was little, so I never had an interest or a desire mm-hmm. until recently. The meat prices, the way they are, I've got a desire now. I want to pack a freezer with meat. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think that we, we need to find that balance between sports and outdoor stuff, uh, you know, away from just the, the mainstream of, you know, whatever – things that can become like idols, you know, like when you do something year round without the balance of other things, I think that's something good that we can get our kids in and pass on to them. I think it's a great idea. I love your challenge. Mm-hmm. The one thing I'll say about it is I'll have to learn to hunt again. Uh, uh, there's, no telling I think it's, for, there's no telling what I've forgotten. Uh, I, I got a feeling it's like riding a bike though for you. you. You probably did it so much. You get out there. Oh yeah. I remember this. I had to get my bow restrung. I'd be scared to pull it back. I, I would just go with a rifle. Just, just, just wait for rifle season. Yeah. All right. Well, there's our bits of advice that we would like to give to our younger selves. Let's go to. Let's center upon that one thing that that can help, maybe a young dad or a soon-to-be dad avoid regrets. Just take those deep breaths. You know, don't don't lose yourself like I have a few times. And if you do, remember you're human. We came from dirt. Uh, and enjoy the little things that you don't find very enjoyable, like finding yogurt caked on the the windows and the table, and which turned out to be one of the funniest videos I've ever had of my kids when Major got into that yogurt. Um, you know, listen to them, pay attention to them, uh, set a good example for them too. You know, like uh your kids are going to be grossed out by you you loving on their their mother but man they need to see that and they need to know how to treat a woman they need to know that it's okay to you know show affection to them you know show affection to your kids you know just show them how to love and how to be obedient mm-hmm. uh and just basically if you if you have boys i'd say train them up to be the kind of men that women would be proud to have yeah um, you know, set a, set standards for them too. I'm, I'm speaking kind of toward going into the teenage years, but man, I'm, I'm jumping around a lot, but there's just, there's so many things right, we could probably write a book on things that we should do and should have done different. But, um, there's just, there's so many different things though. Um, just keep your composure, be consistent, man, and instill that discipline early uh, don't spare the rod. It's biblical. You know, the, the world will tell you that it's abuse or that it's evil. Well, the word of God says different. Um, don't spare the rod. That's a good word. And going back to the yogurt on the windows, mm-hmm. major mage. That's right. It's easy. It's so easy to get upset about little stuff, mm-hmm. especially early on. I'd get tore up about the, you spill a drink or you do these things. But I'll say it like this. If you think that life is going by fast right now, if you're a young dad, especially in your 20s, and you think, man, life is flying by time, you really can't get a grip on it. I would say that I was in about third gear if we're driving a five-speed. I would say I was about in third gear in my 20s when I had when I first started having children you shift into fourth or fifth gear when your kids are born. I mean, I cannot believe I have a 13-year-old. I mean, I look when I look back at pictures now, I mean, I just I almost cry every single time. And my youngest now is 7. 
and she's still playing with dolls, the dollhouse. And when I walk past her room and I hear her in there playing, you know, having conversations with, mm-hmm. with the two dolls or whatever, I just stop. And I want to, and here's some advice for you. Stop and watch them. Mm-hmm. Stop and t- just, just breathe, literally breathe in that moment because, man, when it is gone, it is gone. And it's just a sweet, cherish every moment. It's hard to cherish the diaper days and the formula days. It is, mm-hmm. especially being a dude. If you're an all, all dude kind of guy, that's hard to cherish, but, man, cherish them because they're gone. You know, when they're playing with dolls and stuff, cherish it. Take pictures. Play with them, you know, because one day they stop playing with that stuff, and they don't go back. Mm-hmm. And it's every moment has a sweet time, and just savor the sweetness of every moment. Yeah. Each each stage that they're in, my kids are, you know, from the oldest to the youngest, there's five years apart. So that that's right now, you know, major just turning nine, Case is 12, Britain's 14, uh major is still very much a little boy so i get what you're saying there the there's still that little season of kid stuff but man there's there's good seasons about everything you Absolutely. know the, the ultimate goal is to train up a a child in the ways of the lord and when they're grown they'll not depart from it uh i just i'd say embrace each little season the the diaper days the the terrible twos, the you know, the pre-K, the elementary, all that stuff. Yeah, uh, there's something good about each season. So especially four to five was one of my favorite times mm-hmm. because they'll love on you. Oh, they love you when they're four to five because they still haven't got that friend mm-hmm. desire. They want to be with you. Oh yeah. They want to climb up in your lap. They want to hug on you. All those things. Man, enjoy it enjoy those times because they that season is limited do daughters eventually quit doing that or do they always do that i think i mean i love my daughters they're good to me they Mm -hmm. still they still show love and affection but nothing there's nothing like that four to five Mm -hmm. it's just a sweet sweet time yeah teenage boys they they get out of it (laughs) they're done yeah they'll give you a hug and say good night that's maybe that's about it yeah that's it but yeah so that's it. I guess we, we maybe got a little deep there, a little somber. But yeah. Man, there's some wisdom there. And I'm not saying that we have all the wisdom. But, man, I have made the mistakes. Brad's made the mistakes. And we've tried to give you a couple of things that, man, we, would, we just wish we would have had. Mm-hmm. Wish we would have known. Well, before we change gears, have you got a good story from one of the kids? Like one of your funniest, like the kids said something, like very kid-like, you know, just the mind of a child speaking like uh, I'll, I'll give you one. You go as ahead and lead you, off as your, Like just, it just shows you how innocent kids can be. Uh, you you know these ads that come in in the mail and they're they're advertising uh, ladies <laughs> attire. Yeah, and it was it was like a bra ad or something. Britton looked at it and it was a woman on there, and he said, "Daddy, why does this girl have two butts?" Oh man. Yes. Yeah. Well, kids, they just tell it like it yeah. Is. Of all things, I don't know why that remember. I remember those things. Uh, I think of a lot of the him. yeah, a lot of the messes. I tell you what, that yogurt one. A lot of them involve major. Like I don't know if it's just because he's the youngest and that's the freshest in the memory. But man, like it's talking about that yogurt. 
And uh, when Ashley got him that trick where she put chocolate pudding on his arm and told him it was poop. Man. Classic video. Yeah, good stuff. May have to go back and send you that, let you put that up. If, if, if anyone hasn't seen it, it's worth a watch. It's definitely worth a watch. So, that was during the quarantine days. I think so. Probably my, my – I'm sitting here trying to think of the most prominent story. There's so many good ones, but my middle child, we went to a birthday party. She was – I'm going to say she was three, and my oldest was five. We go over to a birthday party, and right there by the front door, the stairs went to the basement in the middle of the floor. You know, usually it's a build-out. It's sheetrock around it. You have to go through the door to go down in a basement. Mm -hmm. This is the way that it was. It was wrought iron, wrought iron, and then the stairs were just there. They just started Mm -hmm. in the middle of the living room, basically. Well, we had... Spent our time at the party. We'd have the cake, sung the happy birthday song, all the things that we were leaving. My middle daughter's walking right in front of me. My oldest is right in front of her. My oldest makes it past the stairs. I don't even, I'm not even really thinking about that. I'm not like a danger dude mm-hmm. where I'm looking for every form of danger. But my middle daughter's left foot, when she took a step, she went down the first step. And when it did, she lost all her balance and I'm talking about head, feet, head, feet, head, feet Man. to the landing. It had the landing down there and then the final steps. And she was still going so fast when she hit the landing that, I mean, she went up against the wall. Oh. You know, you have miraculous speed Yeah. when you get adrenaline. Mm-hmm. I made it down the steps at the same time that she did that because I thought my daughter has just died. She, she was fine. She was fine. But by the time I got her up, made it back home, Bethany's at work. She's at work and they had just started FaceTime on the iPhone at that time. This has been years ago. And I didn't even want to call her because, I mean, it looked like she had been in a fight with Mike Tyson. Her, she, her eye was just purple all the way around from where she had hit, you know, it hit those wooden mm-hmm. There was no carpet on the steps or anything I'm talking about. Two by twelves is just mm. what her head was hitting time, but she was fine. She never passed out, never lost consciousness, none of that. And I remember just sitting there. I put her up on the butcher block or like the kitchen mm-hmm. island, and I just held the phone in my hand. I said, no, "I've got to call her and show her this, but I don't want to because a little she looked horrible." But I did, and I'll never forget Bethany's face when I turned the camera around and showed her Lindley, and she was like, "What happened?" You know, I was. She was fine. Resilient. Nice. Just resilient. But that was probably the scariest. And we laughed about it afterwards yeah. because, I mean, you know. Probably. I just had one come to mind. I think I've told you this before, but this involves all three of the boys. Uh, we were down at the state track meet in Gulf Shores a few years ago at the hangout. And, you know, that atmosphere there, it's just kind of a – Wide open. Yeah, it's more of a social thing rather than good food. <laughs> but – uh uh, the little host guy that was, you know, playing all the music and walking around and talking to people, getting people to do these little goofy challenges, dancing and stuff. Mm-hmm. Britton gets up and has a little dance off with him. Britton's probably Britton's a good dancer too, though. I, I don't know where he got it. Um, I guess maybe he got something from Warrior. I don't know. Oh, Warrior. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Uh, but um, Britton was probably in third or fourth grade. So that would have put Case and first or second and then major was just you know basically a toddler 
So just to reward Britain for taking part in that little dance competition thing, the guy goes and is like, hey, he said, I think you earned an ice cream here, buddy. So he goes and gets him this big old tall drink, a big old plastic cup, uh, like a Sunday looking thing. And he realizes he's got two brothers, so he don't want to leave them out. So he gets them one too. Nice. And the kids are all excited. They get this ice cream drink and they just start going to town on it. Case like Case looks up and goes, mine is sour. Oh, they made a, a liquor drink. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh uh, man. About that time, Britain just kind of got snarl and makes that little tasting sound like something's not right. Major's over there. He's taking it down. Yeah, he is punishing it. And then they all start dancing. <laughs> so uh, we're like, hey. What's going on here? Ashley, Ashley takes a drink of it. She's like, yeah, that's alcohol. And, and she tells wow. the guy, he said, I think you gave my kids some alcohol. Turns out he gave my three kids bushwhackers. And <laughs> wow. And what was the most concerned about it is the reason it was that way is they were evidently that was a popular item there. And they, the thing that the machine that would mix those things up was down. I guess kind of like the the, the machine, the ice cream machine at McDonald's. Yeah, it always down. <laughs> so, uh, they were pre-mixing them. They would pour rum in it first. It would sit on the bottom. Then they'd add all the other stuff on yeah. top. It went and put them in the cooler, pre-made. The guy didn't know it. Just trying to be nice. So we're sitting there freaking out because we don't, I mean, this is at the bottom. The straw goes, we don't know how much they have consumed. (laughs) So we're like, what do we do? And we get to the car. The boys are like, they're kind of, I don't know how much they've had, but Ashley's like, stay awake, stay awake. They're all back there, like in the back seat. Like, I don't know if it's just tired from the beach. I don't know if it's, yeah, I don't, I don't know if this is uh, intoxication. I don't know what's going on, but, uh, we don't know what to do. I drive them to the Gulf Shores Fire Department, and one of the firemen come out and I said, "Guys, I said this is going to sound really weird, but yeah, have you can, can you uh, can you give my kids a breathalyzer?" <laughs> and they just start laughing. Like, what are you talking about? I told them what happened, and they're like, "It wouldn't work." He said, "Their little lung capacity is not strong enough to even register." You've never so, told me this story. I can't believe that. This That's, is a good one. So then we go from there to the urgent care in Gulf Shores, and after all the nurses and the doctors, they all have their good laugh and everything. They check out the kids, and they determine that they're okay, that they do not have alcohol poisoning. <laughs> Thank goodness. Uh, they, may be, they may have a little bit in their system, but not yeah. at a dangerous level. Um, but, man, you talk about a mixture between mad, grateful, and ticked off. I mean, you hate to be mad at the kid for trying to do something nice for the kids. Right, yeah. But at the same time, man, you know, gosh, know what's, know what's going on, you know? <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe next time he has a little conversation with the bartender before he just starts yes, grabbing drinks. From that's him. right. But, yeah, that was interesting night. They slept well that night. There again, I don't know if it was from their supper. Or dessert, or if it was from playing on the beach all day. No telling. So, but they're all alive and well today, and you've got a great story to tell. Man. Well, let's close it down with Chuck Norris. All right. The ultimate dad. The ultimate. All right, Brad, the moment everybody's been waiting for. Take us off to Chuck Norrisville. All right. Chuck Norris was shot yesterday. The bullet is in critical condition. <laughs> 
Chuck Norris doesn't read books. He stares them down until he gets all the information he wants. Chuck Norris once smothered a pillow with a man. Time waits for no man except for Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris has a large bear rug in his living room. It isn't dead, it's just afraid to move. If you spell Chuck Norris in Scrabble, you win forever. <laughs> Chuck Norris jumped out of an airplane and his parachute failed. He took the parachute back and got a refund. <laughs> Chuck Norris's tears cure cancer. Sadly, he's never cried. Chuck Norris doesn't like to fill out forms online because he submits to no one. <laughs> Chuck Norris can strangle you with a cordless phone. Mike Tyson chipped a tooth on, t on Chuck Norris's ear. <laughs> Chuck Norris can stand faster than anybody can run. <laughs> when Chuck Norris enters a courtroom, the judge stands up. <laughs> Chuck Norris can slam a revolving door. Chuck Norris. Before they met Chuck Norris, the Black Eyed Peas were known as the Peas. <laughs> Chuck Norris can kill two stones with one bird. When Chuck Norris moved out, he told his father, you're the man of the house now. Champions are the breakfast of Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris one time beat up his shadow because he's following him too close. Now it stands 15 feet behind him. <laughs> when Alexander Graham Bell invented the telephone, he had three missed calls and a text from Chuck Norris. <laughs> Chuck Norris doesn't wear a watch. He tells time what time it is. Chuck Norris can divide by zero. That was a good time. The whole the era of the Chuck Norris jokes. I think they're coming back. They're good. Been seeing them on Facebook here lately. More admirable. What if that was you? What if there were a bunch of Brad jokes left there? Mm. Oh, there are some Brad jokes, but they're not. They're more of a pathetic type joke. Does that let you know you've made it? When people start making. See. Super yeah, I think I always wondered what was the origin of these jokes, and I think it's just because of the the type of character he always played. He always played a, a bad dude. Oh, yeah. Good guy, but a bad dude. Mm -hmm. That mustache. Yes. Strong. Mm -hmm. Mustaches are making a comeback. Yeah. I tell you, what, I, feel, I feel like uh, a lot of that has to do with old Top Gun. Second one. Goose. Yeah, bro. Goose is boy. Yeah, Rooster. Rooster. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we hope you guys had a great Father's Day. We hope that we gave you a little something you could take with you. Put your pipe and smoke it, as they say. And maybe even a laugh there at the end with 
as we commemorated and celebrated the great Chuck Norris. Yeah, or you can put it in the ice cream and drink it. It's like my kids did. <laughs> yeah. That's the method of the hangout. That's right. Well, that's it for the Hey Now Bound podcast. We'll see you next time. See y'all.